Are you struggling to break through online, feeling like you're posting content regularly but nobody's listening? It's a very common experience. Some try to fix this by turning up the quantity, turning onto social media planners and posting about International Pancake and all the other things that live on the social media planners that everybody else is using. Volume isn't the answer. Some try creating complicated or clever content, but that doesn't work either. In this episode, Pascal Fintoni shares three qualities all great content marketers have in common. It's a very simple lesson, which could quickly change your results. I loved speaking to Pascal, and I know you're going to love listening to him too. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe on your podcast player so you don't miss new episodes, and you can dig into some older ones when you're finished with this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit the shortcut URL amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken along. So welcome along and let's meet Pascal. So this week I'm delighted to welcome Pascal Fintoni to the show. Have I got that right, Pascal Fintoni? You do, yes. Pascal, do you want to maybe just introduce who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? Well, thanks again for the invitation, Bob. Really appreciate uh, spending some time with you and your listeners. So I am a trainer, consultant, and speaker. And I take great pleasure in helping business owners get more inquiries from the web. I've been involved in the world with the world of digitals uh, for nearly 25 years now, which feels uh, <laughs> a very, very long time. And a typical week for me is spent either speaking at events, being doing some in-house coaching on a one-to-one or one-to-few basis, as well as on occasion taking part in training programs for the UK government. But at the heart of it, what I do is help people use their time very wisely when it comes to uh, using online marketing activities in particular, um, so that they get more sales and help populate the, the sales funnel. And I'm also, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to weave into my delivery, my approach, my passion for filmmaking and storytelling. So this is a good time for me at the moment with the, the rise in video consumption and of course production. I think if I'm honest, the reason you're sitting on that chair is the way that you captivated me with your presentation at Chris Tucker's Youpreneur Summit. I think there were, lo- there, there were lots of very big names there. But for me, it the tech and the tactics are quite easy. Where I personally struggle, and I think a lot of people struggle, is with video and video marketing and actually allowing themselves to be themselves. Uh-huh. It's very, very difficult. And the way that you brought that Youpreneur Summit was for me, really, really engaging. I loved it. Well, thanks very much. And do you know, I felt it was actually quite a um, risky angle that I took, you know, in during that summit, because I went in, as you would recall, straight into storytelling techniques used by filmmakers and how they can translate over to the world of business and video marketing. And I did wonder whether or not I'd gone too far into uh, the, my, you know, what I, what I deemed to be my passion, although now it's become part of my profession as well. And the feedback has been just so, so good and so positive that uh, for this year, I'm now making a point of building on it in terms of workshops and uh, residential sessions and so on and so forth. Mm, that's that's a really good idea. I can only imagine you'll have great take up on that because it is, as you said, it's so now 
I had Brian Fanzo on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that Cisco, who know about the internet because they pretty much run it, are saying that eighty percent of traffic this year on 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 the internet in total is video content being consumed. There just isn't enough video content. It doesn't matter what you think. There is a, an insatiable demand for video. I think you know the uh, the, the figures also, also. If you align that consumption to the impact in terms of credibility and trust you can build through video content, and sometimes a video message can be very very simple, uh, far far outweigh where you could achieve from a reputation management uh, with the written form and the static images. Now my, my position, as you know, Bob, is to do all of uh, all form of media. As an organization, as an individual, or whichever, you have to, you know, write well for the web. You have to create visuals that are engaging, and then you have to look into podcasting and video. But where it gets exciting for me is the decision you make in terms of your version of those labels. You know, so the term podcast and how you go about it, or the term video production, video marketing, or YouTube, how you decide to go about it as an individual, as a professional, is where I think is still um, all to, to, to be played for in over the next few years. I think, as is often the case in the world of digital, we go through a phase of learning how to use the tools of the time, but in the process, everything we produce is pretty much the same as everybody else. It's quite bland. Sometimes, actually, because we believe that others have got it right, we look at what they, they get up to and then we emulate them. Uh, Sometimes because we want to show uh, due respect and, and in terms of where the inspirations come from. But the real kind of art and science of media production is to discover your true voice and what motivates you as a professional. And this is where my work becomes more interesting. So I hope you forgive me, Bob, but I can't get excited if someone says to me, show me how to use YouTube or how to, um, I don't know, how to use an app or a camera. But if you say to me, show me how to discover the stories that I should tell, and bear in mind that those stories will connect and will help you build your brand, your audience, and down the line, help your, your bank balance, then I think that's where the, the word becomes really interesting. But ultimately, you know, we have to be patient, and I'm not saying to you, you and your audience that we should not go through the learning phase of trying it out and ultimately creating content which is very similar to, to others, but look forward to the maturation process of becoming a very unique author and, and at the top of which then, therefore, your evergreen content, your legacy, will kind of last, not just for you and your business, but think about, I don't know, your children, your nephews, your parents, your, you know, your family, your, your neighbors, and so on, thinking, you know, do you know what? Uh, I, I'm so incredibly proud of what you've done. I had no idea this is what you did. Because, you know, back to your point about video, I, I've spent years doing what I've done, as you have, and I've got friends who... Don't really understand what I do, but once they watch a couple of videos, they go, oh, "I think I got it now." <laughs> You're the guy that does this and the other. Yeah. Uh, so I think, in terms of the um, the impact on others through the the video form, uh, I'm a huge fan. You can tell and you know it, but I think it's also down to uh, this is a good time for what I'm going to call professional self-expression, being the professional and the coach, you know, the practitioner that you need to be before the world to also discover that with you. I think that's really exciting. Mm. No, I think that's a really, really interesting perspective. 
something you said right at the beginning was you don't want to talk about how to set up YouTube or any specific tactic, but how to uncover their own stories. And I know that you lead workshops where this is a topic. Mm-hmm. So what is a workshop where you're helping people uncover their stories look like? What tools or tactics or frameworks are there that you would employ in that kind of situation? So I've got through kind of stages with that. There's an evolution. It's, it's lacking in your skills on your mindset. You, you break it down. That's been one actually one of the um, really interesting part of my role from being a practitioner, an employee doing the digital stuff to being someone that had to tell others. It, it invites you to reflect on what you do, what you do and how you do it, but also come up with uh, memorable systems and steps and so on and so forth. And so what I explain to people is that at the heart of it, when you want to discover who you are as an author, you have to go on a bit of a journey. And the journey being uh, begins by showing the qualities that will help you build your business. And there are, in my view, three qualities you should have. One, you should be curious. And by being curious, you are essentially going to take on the role of a journalist or researcher, investigator on behalf of your audience, and you're going to be exploring uh, facets of professional life or life in general. You're going to be exploring challenges that your customers are are kind of facing, not necessarily uh, with an answer ready-made, but saying, you know, I've heard enough, I've seen enough um, to know that this is of importance to you. Therefore, on your behalf, I'm going to look this up. And I'm either going to do it solo, I'm going to have maybe um, you know guest uh, sessions or I'm going to read books, whatever it might be, but trust me, I will come back to you and report on my findings. And the reason why you want to um, do that is that all too often, again, my customers want to produce the kind of content that they've seen others do, but what they've forgotten is that the reason why that content is hitting the mark and the reason why that content has engaged them is because those authors and producers have spent the last five to, five to ten years discovering who they are. And, and therefore, you have to be kind of honest with yourself and embrace that journey. So you begin about being, about being curious. So, uh, and this, by the way, could be um, a podcast, of course. It could be a, a blog series. But you're going to go deep and you're going to really investigate something thoroughly. Once you've done that and you've produced the kind of videos that we can discuss in a moment, then the next quality is to be helpful. So you've explored a challenge, you've explored a situation that is causing maybe an audience to want to adapt or change, and you've reported back on your findings. In the process, it is likely that you've learned some techniques to therefore face up to that challenge or to address that change. Then you can start to move into the sharing of that techniques or, the, or becoming more of a, of, a, of a tutor, if you will. And the being helpful is, is a wonderful quality that needs to be shared, I think, more often than it is uh, currently. And there's a difference between being helpful and being knowledgeable and competent. Because when you are helpful, you really want to demonstrate that you're driven by, I would say, more customer care than marketing. Uh, I think, unfortunately, because of the world of YouTube and because of some of the bigger brands are trying their very, very best, the impression that I think we've inherited all of us as professionals is that to be trusted and the number one form of video marketing is to tell people how to do something. 
and to turn to turn into some form of lecture and so on. And and I think that's um, a little short-sighted. And, and I think there's a better way to go about it. When you are helpful, not only do you tell people the options available to them, and you can show, share, of course, your favoured uh, option, but you also want to warn them about what I call the lesser alternatives, and therefore give a more rounded view about you know the, the options and and the world uh, out there. I would say, you know, nobody cares what an expert would do because we're never going to be an expert. You know, we're not going to be as good as the person we're watching or listening to because guess what? That's not our chosen profession or career path. So we're going to be curious to begin with. I'm going to be quite humble. We're going to be uh, helpful, but in a very, very caring way. And then the final quality you want to show is to be present. And tactically, what you've done by being curious and being helpful is you created a wealth of content, but you also created an audience. And that audience will start to become, I would suggest to you, fans and, and big supporters. And I think a just reward for that support is to be present and start to engage uh, live or to engage through webinars or that kind of things, but essentially upgrade the relationship from passive consumption to interactive consumption. So be curious, be helpful, and be present is a journey. During that journey, which may take several weeks, months, or years, you will discover who you are as an author, I can guarantee it. And the work you're going to be producing, the video you're going to be producing, will be far more rewarding and far more enjoyable. And you will discover so much more about yourself and, and the world you operate within from a business point of view than if you were to do some how-tos uh, on YouTube. That, for me, is one of the most insightful explanations or perspectives, rather, on how to show up, basically. I think for some people, it's, they, they don't need that they just need to be told go on do it there are other personality types that need to understand why and they need to know that there's a journey they're going on and a very vague idea of what that journey looks like and for me the journey you outlined there is very much aligned with how i personally mm. want to do things it's why the podcast exists but it's also i have i have struggled hard to get to a very similar place to the one you describe and yeah, for me, it's quite exciting. And I think what you described as the present, really the culmination of that is community. And if you build a community and then you never show up in it, that's quite disrespectful in a lot of ways, I guess. But how you show up really matters. that You don't sort of pile in and just say, okay, now you're here, give me your money. But that you continue to do the things that you've already done. And you continue that integrity because... I think often people lose sight of the integrity once the audience is built. Yes, and, and I think, you know, you and I can reflect on the, the many, many kind of articles and videos and podcasts, for that matter, from well-intentioned experts about monetization or converting and, and kind of conversion ratios and so on. And and there's, you must, of course, build a business. You must, of course, populate your sales funnel and so on and so forth. But if your question, the question you're asking me, Bob, is how do you discover who you are as an author so that you have years and years of joy as a content producer as opposed to being a content marketer, which is, I think, you know, sometimes where the difference will lie. I'm not interested in helping somebody get a task off their desk as quickly as possible. 
I'm not really interested um, because I don't think that this is what this is about. If you've chosen to be your own boss, for that matter, or if you've chosen a career in communications and you are an employee, ultimately your role is to educate and inform people that there is a form of communication which is vastly superior to what is hitting the headlines typically. But more importantly, if this is your chosen career and you're looking at the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of professional activity, you better find something that's going to keep you smiling every every day. Yeah. Because if it's literally, how can I, what is the fastest way for me to blast a thousand emails? What is the quickest way for me to get videos on Facebook? If this is only what is motivating you, whilst maybe on some occasion there could be a room for that, it's not gonna, you're not gonna last. What I mean by that is you're gonna burn out as a professional because you're gonna say, this is not fun at all. This is not rewarding. I'm not growing or developing myself at all here. Time to change. Uh, and I think that's a pity because, well, I would say that, of course, in your presence, Bob, but I think if there is one medium that is really, really rewarding uh, from the planning to production to, to uh, publication and so on, it has to be the world of moving images and sound. And mm. if you've chosen to use video to help your customers, to help your business and so on, why don't you actually um, apply yourself in a way that has supported an industry for over a century as opposed to the way in which it's, it's been done or recently? What I mean by that is compare the, the world of moving images and sound, which is over a century, to that of the internet, which has only been 20, 30 years, depending where you look at it. I just know where I'm going to find my motivation and my inspiration from. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. For me, I think there there is a contrast between how accessible the world of video is, both in terms of a cons as a consumer, but also in terms of the the barrier to entry. It's become very very low, mm -hmm. and from a technical and creative level, but there is a very high barrier of entry for a large number of people on a mental and an emotional level. And how much does that come into your work? It, it does a lot. So we mentioned a moment ago, of course, the, one of the, the techniques that I use about the qualities you want to show, um, be curious, be helpful, be present. And then another exercise we have to do is this idea of, and a simple one, you know, I use a flip chart and I have a smiley face and then a happy face, two columns, and then working in groups, people putting post-its, what they look forward to when it comes to becoming a video content producer no matter whether it's short form or long form, but what is it that they are concerned about? And very quickly, that column where the unhappy face is gets busy. Um, and very often, as you can appreciate, and your listeners will as well, it's around uh, personal appearance, the sound of your voice, um, your ability to craft the story, to edit and so on and so forth. So there's a whole kind of things, and I tackle them um, head on because I think it's very helpful to not deny people the, the, a, the expression of those uh, anxieties and concerns, but also to explain to them why, A, they are um, warranted and, and, and so you absolutely are entitled to feel nervous about what you're describing. But let me explain to you why you should and why it's only normal that you should. So what I'm trying to say to, to you, Bob, is that People feel guilty about the feelings they have about something that is very natural to feel that way. Um, I'll tell you that if I have a long break from being on camera, I'll get nervous again. 
It's a bit like, mm. you know, stopping going to the gym or going off your, you know, healthy diet or, or whatever. And what I've said to them is, so what do we do about it? What, what do we kind of, um, how do we address that? And what we say is, you're nervous because you care. You're nervous because you want to um, get it right for your audience. You're nervous because, you know, ultimately you don't want to let people down that maybe are part of the production team and so on. So I said, so we're going to address them one by one and see what do we do about it. It's like, it's like any business decision. And I do have, I hope you don't mind me being that direct, but I do have some slides in my workshop about personal appearance. And I've gone ahead and I've, I've got, you know, on the full screen, sometimes it's quite nice when it's on the, in the big venue, but I have a photography of what would be deemed to be unattractive actors and actresses mm. who have had wonderful careers in the world of cinema uh, from the US to Europe and, and more. And what I say to them is, you know, so what, how do you explain that? And they kind of go, but they are, they are um, uh, amazing performers, but, but were they always like that? No, they, they had to, to learn. So maybe what they had to do was to have maybe a, a bit part. So they were literally walking in the background and, and then it was a bit longer and there was an evolution. And then they, they spoke one line, then two, then 10, then it was much, much longer. So I said, you know, maybe we should take a hint from that. and. Maybe your your next uh, you know effort should be that, with respect, you're part of the production team, but you're not the voice and face of the video. But the next time, maybe you'll have a bit more to do. And then next time, you'll do a bit more. Perhaps your journey is to be a guest on webinars, but not to be the host. To take the the kind of your fear of technology out of play. So you you really deal with those. Um, as you would with any kind of business risk or business consideration. But what what is interesting is, and this is why I still to this day do group session is in, uh, in person, people say to me, you should do more online, but I still have this power in being in the same room, is they discover that the 10, 20, 30 people in the room have the same feelings too. And therefore my reaction say, told you it was normal, and therefore don't feel the need to exclude yourself from the world of video and sound production because of those anxieties because guess what that's exactly the way it should be and if you and your listeners were to take the trouble to watch any of the interviews of uh, famous actors and directors for that matter uh, they are all over youtube now they will tell you all of them that they are nervous every single day they walk on stage or on set so it's the norm mm. so that's fine well, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was speaking to Andy Storch yesterday. I think mm. you know Andy. Mm. And yeah. obviously listeners won't know Andy, but if the podcasts come out in order, you probably will know by now. <laughs> He's a very charismatic, confident looking person. And one of the things he said to me was, the only reason people know you're nervous is because you tell them you're nervous or you're using nervous behaviors. So just control your nervous behaviors and no one will know unless you tell them. And I think there's a lot of, parallels with the kind of thing you were talking about there with actors they don't look nervous but you can't see somebody else's inside well quite yeah and and to, to me so it's been to um, help them normalize and and kind of recognize that to feel uh, to feel the way they are or to have those misgivings is not a sign of forthcoming failure it's, it's not so i think we'll make people were making the link between 
because I'm nervous, because I don't like the sound of my own voice, because I don't understand how the tech bit equal, I'm not going to be good at it. And, and my way, therefore, it kind of tackles that head on. So once we've done that, then we can start to get into the exciting stuff of planning for the future, looking for the video series they might produce, or even the uh, what I call the, the, the one-shot wonders, which is the, the one uh, short film that kind of sets the tone for the business and can become the, the one evergreen content that they do. But we also um, clearly um, talk about what is sensible within time budget limitations. But we also uh, talk about this idea of don't feel obligated to follow the trend that is currently in place within your, your sector. So if I use the world of digital again, if you allow me, um, I get many people saying to me, why don't you have, um, again, how-to videos on a number of things? Why don't you do reviews of um, apps to edit? Why don't you to actually do a um, tour of different cameras and that kind of things? And my reaction to them is because I don't feel like it. <laughs> and it's because of back to self-awareness uh, and also because, but also saying, so the reason why I would do it then is because I feel obligated as a active participant in the world of digital and video. But there is absolutely no motivation for me to do it because and I, when I was reflecting on that, I, was, I met with um, Roger Edwards as well and um, Richard Tubb recently. I was. I still played back to them, saying, "You know, I hope that I'm not being too um, precious and pedantic when I essentially don't do this type of video content." And they turned around and said, "No, but equally, if you tried, you would you would fail because there's no story in it for you." Mm. And it was remarkable that they almost understood me better than I was understood myself. Which is the reason why it wasn't just that you know this feeling of. Uh, kind of uh, you know boredom that would kind of wash over me just at the thought of doing it is because I would be terrible at it, which I think is a better answer to to give you, which is because of my my authoring and my talent is in a particular way, trying to meet the I suppose perceived obligation in my industry to do the kind of videos that we see a lot more in the world of digital would mean that actually they would probably be quite poor. Hence, then I would feel terrible about it and then keep beating myself up. So I'm better off actually continuing the work that I favor, which is more to do with my, I suppose, talent and, and storytelling uh, kind of preference and let others do an amazing job. And guess what? I will find those videos. I will share those videos and praise them as author and in a, in a process, build a community of authors where we all have different talents but we all support each other and get inspiration from each other. I really, really like that. And I think the approach that you take, that, that you described for video content, particularly the curiosity, the helpfulness and the presenting, mm. or being present rather, you roll that back into the written word, roll that back into the social media post. It really elevates everything and it, you don't see it very often. And I think the reason I focus with you so much on video content uh -huh. is because it's emotionally, it's the most difficult for a lot of people technically it's, it's quite difficult logistically there's so many moving parts but it's also so current and obviously it's on trend if you like mm. but like you said at the beginning coming back to the written word the social media post the, the static image take everything you've described there and bring it back your content will stand out miles 
which is a really interesting way of looking at it. I'm quite excited because I, I work like you with groups and I'm, I have frameworks for helping them develop content ideas. This is new for me and I'm, I'm really excited by this. Well, thank you very much. And, and, and again, I would argue that these steps and systems and frameworks came to me because I was challenged by my own, by my very own customers. I'm sure you can relate to that. Mm. So I'm always very grateful, and that's why I still, to this day, will do a lot of uh, in-person events and 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 work because I grow myself and improve my, my own services. But it's when you observe and you know that situation you've been in where you've explained something and certainly people have understood what you've said, but they've not been able to internalize it to the point where they're going to take action. And I'm incredibly self-critical. I always kind of drive back thinking, ah, I don't know about this, Pascal. Maybe you know you could have done a bit better or what was it that didn't work on this occasion? So I'm always kind of looking at ways to forever improve the, the positive impact I can have. And I would say that with video, as I mentioned to you, I was always a little hesitant thinking, am I really pushing my luck here to bring the world of film, filmmaking and storytelling into digital? But then looking back now, it sounds a little silly uh, to be so hesitant, bear in mind what's happening with the world of Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, the way in which you know, broadband is now used primarily to consume video and sound content as opposed to anything else. And back to the, the numbers again, as I began the, uh, earlier this conversation, if you, if you bother to look at things like trust, credibility, conversions, uh, and so on and so forth, video content supports that. Um, but what is not required, and I, I'd like to make sure that uh, our listeners, uh, your listeners, sorry, understand that, it is not a requirement for any one of you to be in front of the camera. But it is a requirement for you to tell stories in a way that engage people. And those are, are, are many. Uh, just watch a um, documentary, for example. Apart from um, the, the key messengers, you will not see uh, any of the producers or directors and so on and so forth. Um, so I think part of what I try and do now is use a lot more examples from, you could say, the world of entertainment, stroke media, stroke uh, you know, film and documentary. Uh, I've moved away in my session from showing example from YouTube because to be honest with you, they don't really serve my purpose in terms of building someone's confidence and building, uh, helping them build their brand. So I will say, for example, if you really want to understand how to run a YouTube channel, pay attention, for example, of the, the programming of Channel 4 or Channel 5 for us in the UK. And look at what they do. They have different, uh, different kind of um, con bit of content for different days of the week and different times of the day. That's programming. So a YouTube channel for me is essentially a very accessible way of creating your own channel, but learn from those who've been doing it a lot longer than the web has been around. Uh, for podcasting, you know, I always say because uh, that. I'm a big, big fan. I'm not a producer, but I'm a huge consumer and big supporter of what you guys do. But see, if you really want to understand podcasting for yourself as, as a host, co-host, or producer, pay attention to radio and radio stations and how they go about engaging their audiences. I have a, an exercise where we literally go online and look at what BBC Radio 4 is up to weekly. And we see the programming, you can see the decision they've made 
to engage different audiences for different reasons, different times of the day and different days of the week. And it's truly inspiring. That's, I think, um, where we need to go as consultants, professionals, whether we're going to be producers or, or the advisors for those who produce, who say the source of inspiration is to be found where the craft you know, and people have paid their dues has taken place for much, much longer. And when you go on YouTube and look at others, when you look at maybe Stitcher or, or Spotify and look at what others are doing, this is not inspiration, this is intimidation. And, and my role, therefore, is to take them away. In, in fact, and Bob, when I work with my customers, we have a deal. If, I'm on the, if we do a long-term program or we're together for many weeks, many months, I say, whilst you work with me, for the duration of our work together, I forbid you to look at the competition. You're not allowed. Mm. For the time we, we're together, and we're going to connect with you as an author, um, like you, Bob, you know, I help them come up with a content series and, and get excited again. Um, I forbid you to look at the competition because that's not helpful in the work that we're trying to do here. Again, that is a really smart idea because comparison is paralyzing a lot of the time. It doesn't matter if what you're comparing with is good or bad. It just has this paralyzing effect. And to, to be honest with you, I would say to them, you know, we started work where you told me that you didn't have that much time. You could, you could barely fit in, you know, just joke, joke, joking aside. Yeah. So how do you find the time to look at the competition all the time? How do you find the time to um, look at others and be truthful? How does it feel after you spent X amount of time on someone's website, social media platform, YouTube channel? Do you feel great about it? And usually the answer is, is, is no. So I realized much later on that I was bringing also a bit of calm into you know what they were doing by thinking, do you know what? There's nothing wrong with thinking about ourselves first and not paying that much attention to you know what's happening out there. We can go back to it much, much later. But for now, we're about to build a new strategy. We need, we're about to build a new mindset that's going to, we're going to feel re-energized about it in terms of content production. It's not going to be a task anymore. It's going to be something that we look forward to. I always say to my, to my customers, Imagine that it's Friday night, you're tired and you're hungry, and yet you have to produce some amazing content. You better mm. find something that you enjoy doing, because <laughs> otherwise yeah. it's not gonna it's gonna work for you. Now I'm very lucky, of course. You know, I found uh, video, moving images and sound, and I found, or I managed to suddenly reassure myself and calm my nerves about this idea of connecting with who I am as an author. And, and this worked well for me, and, and I take pleasure in sharing that for others, hoping that in the process they can find you know, their own way and their own true voice. Because I think when it comes to supporting your customers and building a business, customers will be so much more grateful if they discover who you truly are through content consumption than consuming content and then having a meeting with you thinking, that's bizarre, that's not the same person that I thought I would meet or or if anything you know potentially meeting you is so much better than your content because clearly what you're doing is just following the trend and producing content that um, others have told you to do or if I may be uh, unkind you produce content because you did some very clever keyword research yeah no that's overall you've given an, an absolute gold mine of strategy tactics <laughs> and inspiration has <laughs> been just so good but what I would like to maybe pivot on to a little bit for the time we've got 
left mm. only some of it is actually what your business looks like and in particular the, the, there's a few places i'd like to go but maybe if we start with what does a typical customer actually look like for you so a typical customer uh, so it's interesting because um I've always been longing to to have a niche um, because, again, I've read enough and I heard enough to, to know that it would have some immense benefit for my business. But it so happens that I've been able to work across pretty much all sectors in, in my career, both as an employee and now self-employed and, and so on. But a typical customer would be probably the directee, the director of the business or a senior decision maker is actually investing in their team or their own process and they want to vastly improve the performance of their sales particularly the conversion of on proposals or conversion on you know meetings and that kind of things and they appreciate that we live in a time now where people can check you out before even talking to you and in the process form an opinion about whether or not you're worthy consideration as a supplier so I work across, you know, sectors like manufacturing, uh, creative, hospitality, uh, travel, you know, you, you name it, where first impressions still matter a great deal. So, so we talk, you know, we work on a program like this, but very often it's uh, uh, because you've asked about the ideal customer. And so for me is that a senior decision maker is behind it. I've had situation where I'm contacted by um, perhaps just the the marketing marketing individual or just for a bit of training and that tends to be a very uh, kind of short-lived affair and there's no continuation it doesn't suit me so well because i think that the world sense of marketing is quite complex it's not complicated but it's complex made of many elements there's evolutions of uh, market and, and buying behavior and so on and i'd like to be able to support an organization over a long period of time um so does that answer your question it does it does i mean i kind of thought that you weren't in a very very tight niche and actually i don't believe everybody does need a very tight niche i think what you bring is actually very niche in a lot of ways um, true but i don't know i still you know when i meet uh, many people out there and talk to them i i feel like if i had a niche which i don't i'd be able to explain what i do better or make it more yeah. relevant uh, but what i do therefore is focus on on the problem of the challenge and the challenge being you want to improve the order book or you want to improve conversion of your sales activities and so on and so forth and therefore together we can design a sales funnel where there is a customer journey driven by content but we also find ways to showcase qualities which is so very often the way that i do people have worked very very hard to demonstrate to the world that they are very competent. But I try to explain that that's not sufficient for a customer to choose you. You have to show you're very caring as well. And therefore the be curious, be helpful, be present tend to play to that. Mm. And obviously I've done a little bit of research and you're working typically with groups. Mm -hmm. Is that right? That's correct, yes. But I noticed also you do some one-to-one -one work and I'm wondering, is that a large feature in what you do? It it's it's becoming is increasingly so. So, so the, so the one-to-one, -one, as ever, like you've done and your listeners have done, was a reaction to requests from the from the market. Because up to that point, I was either speaking at events, I was doing in-house training, coaching for teams. So it was you know, several people, 
or I'll be delivering training programs on behalf of UK government across different regions. And out of that came the request for more personalized support and service, but one where it was almost as and when it was needed. So the way it's working now is I have uh, clients who are on this program where they are milestones in terms of their learning and, and development and so on, but they are done through video conferencing. Zoom is, is one of many that, that we use. And for nine and a half to two hours, we have quite a, a high impact, fast paced um, session where they do a bit of a show and tell if it's you know been going on for a while about what's been happening since the last session on their content effort, lessons learned and so on. Then I will move on to do some top up coaching or maybe introduce a new technique or perhaps there's an, something new in the marketplace that I want them to know um, now. And then we agree actions for next sessions and then we book the following one. Depending on you know, which service they've gone for, in between sessions then there's also uh, phone calls and, and email support if they come, uh, if they have a challenge they want to deal with and so on. But that's now becoming, I would say, uh, it started discreetly, but I would say it's a good 25% of what I do now with my time. Mm. That, that, that makes sense. I have three places I'd like to go still, if uh -huh. that's okay. We're, we're, we're kind of on time, which is fine. Um, one thing I'm always curious about, and it's particularly so with you, is most people receive their inbound opportunity through one of a very small number of places. It's either referral or it's inbound through their content marketing or it's outbound proactive sales activity yeah. or it's driven through ads typically. So of those four, what's the main driver for you? So for me, it will be still to this day, and it surprises me because bear in mind what I do and the way in which I introduce you know, the, the activities, but networking and being a guest speaker at small intimate events, mm. to this day is still number one. And I, I'm surprised by it into, to a point. And then secondly is still surprised, and I shouldn't be, the fact that people will discover my content and, and react to it positively. I mean, I'm not surprised. What I mean by that is I'm not anxious about conversion rates. So I do the content that I believe is matching my talent as an author and is matching the needs of the time. But I kind of let it um, do what it needs to do. Mm. And the individuals have been in touch, particularly through LinkedIn for me, um, more so, who said, I've seen this, or I've read this, and it kind of resonated, can we can we have a chat, as, as, uh, as, as two things. And then, because of my involvement with the UK government, I do, of course, go through the tendering process, so then I will pitch, if you will, for, for contracts. And I got to a point now, because of track record and the way in which I know how to design uh, training programs, where I have some success. So there will be the three ways in which I will um, I will kind of apply myself from a lead generation point of view. Yeah. And my next question is, within the broad spectrum of your business, what do you actually struggle with the most? Uh, two things, really. I'm far too self-critical. I don't give myself enough... I think credit, um, uh, and that's where 
the mastermind groups that, that I join and my wife and friends and family are very important. Mm. And I don't know what to do about it, you know, because you think I've been active for the 25 years, I've been running my own business since 2011. And I'm awful, really. So, you know, I could, I could deliver a session, whatever. I would spend the, the rest of the, the drive back home, give myself a hard time for what could have gone better. So I need to find a way to, to, to improve that. And I think really the, the, the one thing I struggle with, and I wish somehow I had just a bit more time on my own marketing and sales activities, yeah, no, I, uh, I totally I, relate to that. Yeah, because I think two things, I would enjoy the process. I know I would, but it's one of those where I uh, had a nasty burnout um, phase in 2009, So, and I've learned from that. So I know that, yes, I suppose I could do a couple extra hours tonight and therefore do the marketing and sales bit. But I, I still have the, this memory of burning out 2009. So I say, sorry, Pascal, but the contract, if you were an employee, actually, you wouldn't do it. So the contract is you stop now. Yeah. And so be it. You didn't get to do that tweet today. And uh, tomorrow is another day. <laughs> okay, well, I've broken you with that question. So I need to build you up again. Yeah. So what, do you, what are your big ambitions for the business? What are you working on right now? What, what are you excited about? So two things I'm excited about is to relaunch the um, video Q&A series that, that I had uh, a few months ago. It's called Grandly the um, Content Marketing Studio. And what I do there is I invite people to join me and talk about their own content creation efforts from book authors to uh, playwrights to TV producers and, and so on. So I'm looking at the whole form of, of content because again, back to this idea of inspiration. So if you listen to how a, a novelist you know, approaches writing their, their book, you might learn something for your blog post and vice versa. So um, if you allow me actually, that this um, also becomes a, a bit of an open invitation to your listeners. If, um, if you are content creators, whether you're starting or kind of um, have a few years under your belt like Bob and I, please do get in touch if you'd like to be a guest. Uh, in the process, you might learn a thing, thing or two about video uh, production and so on, but also we'll have a great chat. So that's uh, got me excited again, as you can tell. And secondly, as part of my business, um, I'm opening a coaching business in France. Um, now, I'm sure that by now people have detected by the accent or the name that I'm not a native of County Durham, although I love living <laughs> here. Uh, I left France 30 years ago. Uh, as of, Actually, I was still studying English at the time. The plan was to be an English teacher back in France, but I loved my time so much when I was there that I stayed. Originally, I told my parents I was staying for another year. That was 30 years ago. So. <laughs> and um, I still go back to France for, for more holidays, but recently I've had some queries from French business owners who would like to know actually a more advanced form of online marketing. And so I'm, I'm be opening a coaching business. So I'm going to have a French office, which is um, really quite exciting. And all Tell you what, a moment ago I was saying to you, you know, I wish I had a niche. Well, I might be able to pull this off because when I'm in France or for my coaching business in France, which would be based in Nantes in Brittany, I'm going to only uh, specialize in supporting French exporters. Mm. So French companies who wish to export more successfully to the UK and other English-speaking countries and want to use digital and video um, better 
or one in a way that would meet you know the sensitivities and preferences of a British audience then I will be their their consultant and and coach so that's 2020. That sounds very exciting. Pascal, you have been a fantastic and very generous guest. I've really got a lot out of it. I have pages of <laughs> Thank notes. You. If people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? So the good thing about uh, a name like mine, Pascal Fintoni, you can't really hide on the internet. Uh, and uh, so literally you can Google Pascal Fintoni and find uh, my contact details there. But I am very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so people can connect me uh, through there and also check the website check the the, the video blog and if you like the style of um, the Q&A's and like to be a guest you know, do, do get in touch but yeah LinkedIn um, is, is a great way to get in touch with me okay and I have to finish on mm. the signature question I'm getting really good at remembering <laughs> and that is what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago Oh, I think five years ago, so that, that would take us 2015, hmm. I would have taken the initiative and maybe make it much, much clearer about how you can work with me. You know, if I look back, um, it was more of a open invitation under the loose and vague labels of training and coaching and you know and I think now I am much much better at putting packages together and programs and making clearer how people can work with me including for example the conversation we had about uh, online coaching through the likes of Zoom and Skype and so on so I five years ago I would I think it would have been of great benefit to my business to have taken the initiative and put the packages to be much clearer as opposed to inviting mm -hmm. an audience to essentially work out for themselves how they can work with me. So productization, yeah. basically. Yeah, I think so. Now that's a great answer. And yeah, I hope people will pay attention to that. <laughs> Pascal, you've been a brilliant guest. Thank you so much for your time. I really can't wait to speak to you again. Are you going to be in Newcastle in April? I will be, yes. Yes, I hope to see you there. Yes, I'll see you there. So anybody that's listening and doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's the <laughs> Atomicon conference. You need to be there, but it's probably too late if you don't have a ticket. Probably is, yeah. Thank you very much, Pascal. You're very welcome. If what Pascal said sounds easy, that's because on a practical level, it really is. But on the other hand, most people experience a lot of internal resistance to sharing their own curiosity online, instead thinking they need to demonstrate knowledge first. Take people on your own learning journey and they will love you for it. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't already, to join our Facebook group. You can find a link on the show notes or just head to amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you are at Bob Gentle. And if you do, then message me so I know and I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me, and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Pascal for giving us his time this week, and to you for listening. And see you next time. <laughs>